Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to episode nine of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, the editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I talk to Deborah James, who you might know better as Bowel Babe. If someone can be the face of bowel cancer, Deborah is that person. She is vivacious, uncompromising, witty, and incredibly honest about life with cancer. She's been documenting her experiences publicly for the past four years, but really came to our attention last year when she ran the Vitality 10K in her pants with a bunch of other brilliant women, including Bryony Gordon, Emma Campbell and Andrea McLean. She talks to me here about her lifelong love of exercise and running, how everyone should run in their pants, and what living with cancer is really like. I warn you now, I told her she could swear as much as she likes because it's tough doesn't adequately describe what it's like living with cancer. This October, along with thousands of other runners, Deborah is running two races. She's doing the virtual Vitality 10K and the virtual London Marathon. It's too late to enter the marathon now, but if you'd like to join her and me running or walking the virtual Vitality London 10K this year, then you can sign up at vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk. The beauty of this race is that you can choose to run your 10k any time in the October half-term between the 24th of October and the 1st of November. All you need to do is to complete your 10k in that week and upload your time and you'll receive a medal and a new balance top. Entries close on Friday the 23rd of October. Have you got the latest copy of Women's Running? If you're missing it, the easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door every month by subscribing. If you prefer instant access, then digital is for you. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet via your app store and you can read it straight away wherever you are. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop. Dot womensrunning.co.uk 
you do a podcast as well, don't you? So you, yeah, so I do a couple. So we do, um, we do um, Yumi and the Big C, which is our cancer podcast, which is probably how I started in broadcasting, really. Um, well, it is officially. Um, and uh, that's obviously about living with cancer. Um, and it was started by three of us, but unfortunately Rachel um, isn't here. It's coming up to her second anniversary, which is crazy to think, two years ago. And then... Um, now off the back of that I've kind of gone and done lots of podcasting so what do I do I've just actually been doing most of in lockdown it was quite good I ended up finding going back to my teaching roots because I used to be a deputy head and I've been working with um BBC Bite Size on like daily podcasts which is always good to you know get out loads of podcasting and then me and my kids um actually did another one during lockdown called The Good Stuff um and again that that was actually a commercial one so I've kind of done like lots of different ones you know between like from BBC to sponsored ones to kind of ones just because I enjoy it so it's kind of quite nice basically I've worked out I just quite like chatting <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean what what do you like about the format of podcasting what's what's so good about it it's really intimate isn't it um, and I think you forget that people are listening, which is sometimes a really good thing. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> um, but I don't think you can be a podcaster if you don't want to share actually your your personal life. You have to be pretty honest about your personal life. Um, otherwise, you're just presenting, which is great. But it's really interesting because my, me and my uh, kids, we were doing... Um, we were doing this podcast together and I, I learned a lot about my children through podcasting and that Eloise, um, my daughter, who's 10 now, she, um, she just shares everything. I was like, you can't say that. You will, you can say that. You can't say that. And my son is like, well, why would I want to tell anybody that? Like, and it's really interesting to like discover somebody's personality and there's no right and wrong, obviously, like, you know, do whatever's comfortable. Um, but it was a real eye opener in terms of what uh, they personally feel comfortable doing, which I thought was really a good learning curve actually. And so, and, and another channel that you use um a lot is instagram obviously your your handle is bow babe you're instantly (laughs) recognizable as a campaigner as much as a cancer patient so perhaps we can start there um so maybe that's something you could talk about if, if you if you're able to to talk about your diagnosis when that happened what's been happening since yeah absolutely so i was diagnosed like um well nearly four years ago I don't want to jinx myself so December 2016 which is crazy to think so I was a deputy head um really busy kind of like working mum of two you know just I I call it swan syndrome where you're just like paddling you know (laughs) keeping afloat you're fine um and I then got a change of bowel habits but I thought it was because I was um I was working in a school with special measures I was really stressed I was loving it but um you know I was just really busy and I just figured it was part of life um doctors told me it was IBS um however I now know that a lot of my symptoms are not IBS I was actually pooing blood which is not common in IBS I was told it's hemorrhoids and there's this misconception about fresh blood and all these different things. And I was having fresh blood, but that's because my tumor happened to be really low down. So really the message is if you have a change of anything, go and get checked. 
And um, yeah, I got blindsided. Um, you know, I don't tick any boxes. Again, there's another misconception that bowel cancer happens to older on fit people who eat a lot of meat or whatever i'm vegetarian i was 35 um i was running well working out um and yeah i don't i don't have a family history uh you know i don't tick any boxes but it's all chance and it's all about lowering your chance and it's risk and you know there are always going to be people who are outliers um and it's not totally uncommon um you know it's it bowel cancer is the um, second most common cancer killer um, the third most common cancer but unfortunately the the um, about 44,000 people are diagnosed and then about 16,000 die from it a year and um, but when it's caught early it's really treatable but unfortunately by the time mine was diagnosed it had already spread so the chances of survival um, dramatically reduced um and I was basically told I wouldn't make my 40th birthday which is next year um like my chances of that was eight percent and then I found out that actually my average life expectancy I, I unfortunately the longer I've gone on the more I found out about my cancer which is a positive thing but I've also found out how aggressive it is um which comes with its challenges um and I also know that very few people survive my type of cancer which I think I found that out quite recently, actually, and that plummeted me into <laughs> the dark depths of kind of, wow. Um, I kind of almost wish I didn't know. I, I've always known how bad it's been, but I haven't quite known that it's almost unsurvivable. Um, I, it doesn't mean that you can't be one of those people. So I do hold on to that hope and I shouldn't be here now. Um, so I, I now, I now realise how, much of an outlier I am because I'm on some drugs at the moment that I've been on for a year and I am the case study to get those drugs now approved on the NHS so I think just realizing that has kind of really shook me a little bit but over the years I've basically had like 15 tumors and uh, lung resections bowel resections radiotherapy chemotherapy and I'm on treatment I'm on treatment for life um it doesn't really stop like I've stopped counting how much um treatment I've had um just because it's it kind of reads like a roll call of like rubbish <laughs> so I kind of like I, uh, yeah I kind of don't think about it too much I think I, I occasionally I take note of it and occasionally I think wow that's quite a lot um and it, that comes with its side effects. Neuropathy is one of my main side effects that I suffer with. What's that? Which is essentially where you lose feeling in your kind of hands and feet and odd sensations. And I would say it's a real battle because it affects my mental well-being, my anxiety, and it also affects the kind of the way I can function. So especially for exercise you know exercising can cause me pain so it can reduce a lot of my pain from scarring and all these different things but unfortunately the neuropathy it can trigger pain and sensations and loss of sensations so it's a real balance um but yeah so I'm alive a campaign for live you know what it's like to live with cancer because I think there's a misconception everyone's always like you've got your hair you can run I think that's a stage where I'm in at the moment, but I've been in other stages which has, haven't been too pretty. Um, and I know I could go back there any second. 
Um, and yeah, I think awareness, awareness is the key thing really in terms of it can happen to anyone, any one of us. So what was your journey like from being diagnosed with cancer to campaigning for living with cancer? What, how, how did that take place? Come about. So because I was deputy head, I just had to kind of park that part of my life, I think is the best way to put it. Nobody asked me to, but I just, um, you can't really commit in the way that you want to be able to commit to it. So I had to just kind of park it, which was really sad actually, um, because I love teaching, but I knew I couldn't, I couldn't do the job that I wanted to do. And then I just started sharing my story online. Um, It was a blog actually um, that then became a column in the sun and still is a column in the sun. Um, And I just started writing like a lot of people um, kind of, share their stories as blogs and that's exactly what I did and then uh, somebody said to me oh can I publish it and I said okay but I'll write I'll rewrite it as a column and that was an editor at the sun um and I've still got that column three years later and then um it was kind of from that that I um thought oh I'll use Instagram not really knowing what Instagram was (laughs) even though I was actually a computer science teacher but being a teacher you don't really share your life online it's just not something that you often do um just because you don't want really students you just want to protect your your personal side of life and I was a bit worried actually about it um I was a bit worried about what people might think because I never had really an online presence at all um and it certainly it was always kind of drummed into me and I drummed it into other people that you know uh especially if you're upholding a reputation in a school whether it's a deputy head or whatever it is that actually the last thing you want is a photograph of you in your underwear that can be circulated so one of the first things I did when I went online was everything was in my underwear showing off my scars (laughs) (laughs) which I just thought wow um and I was really worried about it but then I got like messages from parents and stuff just saying parents of kids that I used to teach just saying that they were really supportive um, and then I was like, okay, it's fine. Um, so yeah, it was it was just through sharing. Actually, it was just through telling my story, and then kind of people picked it up from there, really. And and I engaged really quickly with charities that I wanted to support and work with, um, because ultimately um, I just wanted to share my story because I didn't. I was a deputy head, well educated. Um, bright at least on paper and I didn't know what living with cancer looked like um and I'm only just finding it out really and I think that's why I wanted to kind of demystify it um and make people aware of it because I figured if it can happen to me it can happen to anyone I found out now retrospectively how common it is and um how much work needs to be done in the area so I think once a teacher always a teacher (laughs) (laughs) what is it like living with cancer um, it's a roller coaster of shit. Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear, am I? Swear <laughs> as much as you like. <laughs> yeah, it's a roller coaster of shit. Um, basically, it's kind of like it is really hard. Like I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's not, um, it's not plain sailing. It's, it's, it's. I really wish it would just go away. Actually, I kind of it's never ending, and I think I'm in a good place, and then something else happens. Um, and I, I, it's really weird because right now on paper, I'm in a good place. I have no evidence of cancer. Um, you know, my cancer has basically gone to sleep, even though I'm still treating it. It's likely to come back. 
it will come back in fact I think that's what makes it quite scary is that actually I've got back into a place that I never really thought was possible so I've now got a lot to lose and I think knowing how far I've got to fall now um is quite a mind screw um and I would say that's probably my biggest challenge sometimes actually when you've got cancer and you're like dealing with the problem in hand um I'm not saying it's easier, but it's it's more manageable because you have a plan of action, you know what you're dealing with and you kind of put your head down and you plough on through. Whereas right now I'm in no man's land and I have no idea what's going to happen to me. I kind of know statistically what's going to happen, but then statistically I shouldn't be sitting here now. So that's what makes it quite challenging. So essentially I'm kind of learning to live knowing that I might die, but I might not, but I might. It's all kind of, slightly strange <laughs> and I've been over the last years um I have been um you know in places that has taken me from going to a hospice and planning my death to booking holiday you know I literally have gone from one extreme to the other so yeah I don't really know where I it changes every day my mood and it's it's really challenging I would say it's more challenging now three and a half years on than it's ever been And the face that you present on Instagram is, I think, um, incredibly positive. It's an incredible, very joyful um, experience. Like going to your feed on Instagram is instantly uplifting. Thank you. you. That's an important thing to do. I think it is. I think it is a truthful side of me, um, but I think it's a snapshot of what happens. But I also think it's my coping mechanism so I think it's a way of me almost tricking myself into being positive <laughs> because I think a lot of people say, oh yeah, you've got to uh, be, you've got to feel it before you can become it. I'm like, no, no, I'm never going to feel that. I'm never going to feel actually like totally down and happy with my cancer existence. I'm not one of those people who are like, yeah, I love, you know, I'm so grateful cancer's come into my life. I'm not like, it can really, really go away. Um, but I would say, you know, yeah, it, it, it kind of like, I have to be positive because if I'm not, it's really annoying. The alternative is really annoying, basically. And I do have the alternative. Like I'm def- I've am i definitely come off the back right now of quite a bad period where I think things have just hit me. Um, and I would say, but living with that um, for too long does your head in. So then you have to like flip it out. Um, so I think that's what I'm quite good at is bouncing back from things. Um, but yeah, the positivity is how I feel. Um, but I don't feel like that all the time. <laughs> have you have you had any bad experiences on Instagram, been trolled or anything like that? Well, I have a few. I would say like 99% of people are overwhelmingly positive. But I would say there's always scope for kind of um, criticism of all of us, isn't there? And I think um, people might either compare themselves. um, I said something about that today, actually. I think people forget that we're all at different points in our journey or whatever, like, weird word we want to use. Um, And there have been moments where I haven't been able to walk to the end of the road. And then there's moments where I'm like showing off about or not showing off going, oh, my God, I can't believe I've smashed 10K today. But I think it's because I need to remind myself how far I've come. But then if somebody is newly diagnosed 
and then they look at me running 10k they might think well I'm you know how can I ever do that and then they might feel worse about themselves so I think that that is kind of something that I'm conscious of more now because if you if you were newly diagnosed and you look at me you might think oh she has it really easy um and I'm not saying woe is me but I'm just saying like there are two sides to every story um and I've been in the bad places and I'm not necessarily in a great place now I might physically be in a good place but mentally um, and I think that's the challenges. Um, in terms of trolling, um, yeah, I think, I think you know, cancer and COVID especially has brought out a lot of um, challenges in people, um, you know, and I think that's, that's been really hard. That's been really hard for uh, people to just judge. People will judge everybody. They'll judge everybody's actions. I've been, I'm in quarantine at the moment. Um, and I was shouted at by people for telling me, well, why did you go away? And I said, well, you know, because A, I might not have next summer and B, um, well, I never planned for quarantine, but I'm married to a French man. So we went to see our French family. And it's almost like, and I'm not complaining about being in quarantine, but I think people just don't, <laughs> they don't see the bigger picture sometimes um so yeah I think I think if you put your life out there you're always open to you have to be open to criticism um but I would say that's something that over the years I've learned to I've I've learned the block tool is a very good tool <laughs> I do listen like sorry that's my dog in the background sometimes I recognize like um that if it is a theme that I see then I must rather address it um, and have a conversation about it like uh, quite often I get asked about am I a private patient or an NHS patient um, and um, I'm a private patient in an NHS setting so I'm a bit half and half um, and people make assumptions they assume that I've paid for my drugs um, which I haven't um, I have them on something called compassionate use which actually is something you really don't want to be on because um, it means that you've run out of options and so there's kind of like there's there's assumptions and but then then also I agree there is a disparity between um private and NHS but then I'd rather use my platform to raise awareness of that but I don't want to become a victim of it if that makes sense so I think you know I'd rather ch I'd rather challenge it um and work with people who have opinions about it rather than kind of um, be victimised for it. <laughs> Fair enough. And so, a little a little while ago, you touched on the fact that you run, which obviously is something that uh, we're interested in talking yeah, about. Obviously. <laughs> um, can you tell me about your running? How you got into it? Yeah. So I always ran like before cancer, like not very fast. I'm always like I'm a medal collector, so I'm somebody who basically runs because I want a medal at the end. Um, and I have no shame in, in saying that. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give me one second. I'm literally going to let my dog out because otherwise all you're going to hear is my dog going mad in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm somebody who really likes collecting a medal because I think it reminds me like I can do it. And every single medal, regardless of whether it's a 5K um, or a marathon, has meant something. So um, I have recognized in myself from well the age of 20 um that exercise helps my mental well-being so I probably have never ever ever exercised to look good um 
which is good mentally, I think. Um, I just have always used it as a tool for helping my mental well-being. And I would say um, I have a positive relationship, sometimes an obsessive relationship with um, recognize. It's almost kind of sometimes I can't actually function in a day if I don't exercise which is not necessarily a good message to send out, although exercise is positive. So I think it's okay. I think there's a lot worse tools that we can use. Um, but for me, I've always recognized that if I don't have a challenge, then I don't do it. So if I don't sign up to something, then I often just don't do it. Um, so when I met my husband in 2005, I think it was, we were like, well what should we do this was in like two weeks of meeting each other and we both signed up to the London and uh, not the London the New York Marathon uh and uh you know when you like want to impress somebody and then you're like oh shit now I've actually got to do it <laughs> so six months later we were basically like on a plane to New York running a marathon that was quite funny um and then ever since then I've used it always as a kind of way to get back into um kind of recognizing it is almost milestones for me that those races not really races are milestones um and for me it is genuine genuinely I do not care if I'm last and I have actually been last in a in a race it was a triathlon and I, I genuinely cannot swim and I was last but I didn't care I honestly didn't give a shit because I, I got in the water and it took like about three months of crying to get into the water into a lake in a older hay um no round round hay round hay in Leeds um and I'm never going to do that again anyway (laughs) (laughs) so what other races have you done apart from New York um so every year so I have races that are really for me um races when I say races it makes it sound really grand I walk half of them but they are um they're like key milestones so for me my sister-in-law actually set up the Royal Parks um, half marathon and she founded it like she was director of the Royal Parks and founded it like uh, I want to say 12 years ago Um, but she's gonna listen to this and tell me it was 10 or something Um, and it's gone through quite a lot of iterations so it started as like a couple of options as like smaller races as walks as ultra marathons like you name it but every year bar one I've done it um in whatever guise it is um so that's a really sentimental like what is now a half marathon although um the last time I did it because I didn't do it last year because it uh, COVID, um, was it cancelled why didn't I do it last year um Oh, because I was having an operation. (laughs) There was a reason. (laughs) Um, But but now it's been moved actually to April this year, um, which hopefully I'll I'll get to do. Um, But the last time I did it, I actually broke my ankle doing it, which was a bit stupid. So I fractured my ankle um, at 10K and then carried on running. Um, Well, hobbling around the rest of the course because I wasn't going to give up and then I was in a, a brace for um the next eight weeks oh my god <laughs> so that was a bit stupid <laughs> so, um tell me about your collaboration with Vitality 10k uh, so that's really lovely so there's a group of us um who all kind of just want to show 
the idea that anyone can run um i think it's changing a lot now but i would say you know you see these um very fit sprightly runners um and obviously i'm very jealous of them but there is an image of a runner with a six pack um and that's definitely not me um and i think people actually um a lot of people i actually had a conversation with a lady the other day and she said oh i just i just don't want people to laugh at me and funny enough like you know i see somebody who and this lady herself she won't mind me saying but she's it's not about losing weight but she herself has recognized that actually she would like to lose weight she she's actually lost 30 kilograms already which is an incredible achievement and um, because it just makes her feel better it's not it, it is a it's not a weight thing it's because she wants to feel stronger and better um but when i look at somebody who's obviously on their own mission for they're doing it for whatever reason i never for one second think oh my god they look they look crap look at them wobbling around i think oh my god well done you like brilliant because um it's just having that drive to actually say screw it i'm just gonna do it anyway and i think the same applies to like living with diseases and cancers um or you know all different diseases there are challenges whether that's worrying about side effects whether that's worrying you know if your body's going to get you round um or whatever it is but i think actually just say, saying yes so we say to somebody the hardest thing is just saying yes just sign up sign the form and then deal with it later um and yeah i think the vitality 10k is is just a way of saying to people just come and join us like for whatever reason anyone can run and it's, it's not about like having to get abs and feeling great it's just about like um it's just about saying yes and celebrating the fact that if you say yes like it can feel really fun and so last year it was the um the celebrate you was was kind of the the, the big thing about last year and so there was you and a bunch of others running 10k in your pants so yeah <laughs> Optionally, we all went for pants. I was going to say it was an option, but it's funny how everybody optionally chose to do their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and that must have—that was, I guess, that was all about body positivity in some yeah. shape or form. Yeah, what, I think that like, was. What's that like to do? Oh, so much fun! And and actually, I was like, why don't we just run in our pants more often? It's like it's so much better than having sweat marks everywhere. <laughs> 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 but no, you kind of like. Uh, yeah, it's just about saying, actually, if this body can run, then so can yours. Um, and I, I always use that as, an, as a kind of excuse, not to, like, you know, make people feel bad about themselves. But I think a lot of people don't think they can do it or they don't think they're runners. And I have so many conversations with people who go, oh, you know, I've only ever run, like, 3K. And then they'll tell me how quickly they ran it. And I'm like, well, you know, that that's, like double the amount you know double quick to time to what I run it in and they're like what so I'm actually a runner and I'm like yeah I walk half of that <laughs> and I think people just don't realize I think people assume that to call yourself a runner you have to you know be this super sprint like sprightly fast person and the reality is that to call yourself a runner you just have to put your trainers on and give it a go what was that response to that race after you and and everyone else was running it in their pants I mean yeah what was the feedback like from from kind of yeah it was amazing and the unfortunately we had um plans to do a bigger wave um this year because i think it was about a thousand people who did it that year and i think the plan was to do three thousand this year 
Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID, um, that kiboshed the plans. But I think there are plans that we're going to be doing a virtual version of that and then hope to come back the following year to encourage people to do it. And from that race, then a lot of us um, who kind of were trying to, you know, lead it, not lead it, but um, encourage others to sign up. Um, we then we then went on and signed up for the London Marathon um, off the back of it. So I'm still supposed to be doing the London Marathon. So I uh, obviously that's all been bumped, but I'm going to do the virtual London Marathon, um, which is going to be interesting because I, in my mindset I was like, no, not going to happen, not going to happen. Um, and then they offered the virtual one, and because they offered the medal, I was like, well, I've got to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> so I will like and you have 24 hours to do it so I'm going to do it with Emma Campbell and my sister um and my best friend and we are going to probably well we're not probably we are going to run walk it and have some lunch somewhere halfway through <laughs> that's nice so how, how long do you are you sort of looking at it lasting for over that course of that day yeah I was trying to work that out with Emma the other day and I think um Oh, it's going to be like a good 10 hours, I think, at least. Because it's still 26 miles. So even if you break it down, you're still covering 26 miles. So we're trying to break it down realistically in terms of what we can do without... Because we don't want to damage our body because we've only... You know, we haven't trained properly. Um, So the last thing you want to do is put yourself up for something that's risky. So we will do a bit of training over the next, well, you know, as much training as we can over the next month, but that's still not going to get us up to a marathon. So we need to just take it slow. I'll have one at the end. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What, what kind of training are you doing right now then? How's that going? So I just do like, I run, um, minus quarantine. I run, um, I try to run a marathon a week. Like if that makes sense. So that's like my, t- about 40 care a week is like my target. Um, I kind of, that's just my own personal target. Like I break it down, um, but I've normally, I'll break it down into like, I do five, my, my standard run is, my standard run is 5k and that takes me between 32 and 35 minutes. And that's kind of like where I am. And, um, I can't get it to 30 minutes. Uh, like I have like a couple of times and I was doing quite well the other day and I thought, oh, I could do this. And then I didn't um but that's kind of where I am basically um and then I will do like 10k once a week um on average um and that takes me about an hour and 10 minutes um to do between the hour and 10 yeah it depends really I think the other day I did it an hour and eight I was like well chuffed um but then the other day but then like a couple of weeks ago I did it in like an hour and 20 so I think it really depends doesn't it um, but yeah, I, I run like five care day is probably my aim basically. Um, but for me, that's because it's achievable. It's only like half an hour ish. Um, I have some routes near my home that, um, I do is almost like a kind of thing I can listen to most of the greatest showman on a track, on a soundtrack, which lasts 40 minutes. So I know that if the greatest showman soundtrack has run out, then I've like screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you worked out if you figured out your route for the marathon no that's what we're going to work out so we're gonna because we're not allowed to ask people to join us but we were thinking about doing like parts of it where 
if other people happen to be running then great come and say hi um so we were thinking we'll definitely try to do a loop around richmond park um and definitely do a battersea park loop or something like that we want to end on the marsden because that's where both myself and emma are treated so we know that we want to end on the steps of the marsden and then for me my favorite place to run is along the river so i i run to the marsden like um which is my um like actually after we finish this i'm about to um go and well actually i'm not even supposed to say this so you're allowed out of quarantine for medical appointments uh and i can't believe i'm excited by this but i have a smear test to go to this is way too much information (laughs) um and i was really chuffed actually because um it was booked in obviously before quarantine and I was a worried they wouldn't go ahead because we know that everything's being compromised. And then B, I was like, I'm in quarantine. It's not going to happen. And then I got confirmation today that it can happen. So I was like, woohoo, smear tests in quarantine during COVID. <laughs> so strangely, I'm, I don't know what I'm most excited about, whether A, because it's going ahead or B, because I'm actually allowed out the house for the first time in 12 days. So um, I was, I, I'm going to walk run there because uh, I figured you're not allowed to take public transport, which is hilarious. Um, I uh, don't really want to drive. So I was like, well, I've got to walk there. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and so are you doing the, um, you're doing the virtual 10K as well this year? Yeah, so I'll do a virtual 10K. I think I've got to remember how far I've come. So it's really weird, like like I remember after my lung resection so I've had lots of quite major operations and I was looking back over this today actually and I think I forget sometimes like that in my you know I used to not be able to run a K um well you know pre pre um cancer I did but um it was still you know I was still like a 5k a day kind of girl and um I I forget now, you know, my daily running is is something that I would have dreamt about. Um, and I, I did 10K the other day and I was really peed off because um, I thought it was really good. And then I looked at the time and it wasn't. And not that I, ca- I don't care about times, but I think I, I think I have forgotten that um, the first 10K I did after a lung resection, I cried. I was like... I can't believe I've done this. This is amazing. Um, and it was amazing. And now I'm doing that most weeks and doing that like every other day. Um, and I, But the thing is, the reason I'm, I'm in this bubble at the moment where I can do that, and I know how easily it can change because it does change with me. You know, every three months there's a new challenge. And, you know, even during COVID, I was back having radiotherapy. So I had to start again from from scratch, like not totally from scratch, but nearly from scratch. And I think that's the problem. You can't, I kind of forget sometimes how far I've come. And I, I do need to stop and remind myself of that, that actually, you know, I used to sit and go, I've just done 10K with a, with a medal around my neck. And I need to, I need to remind myself that it's still an achievement for me. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, isn't it lovely this year that the Vitality 10K has that banner of mental health matters, Chinese yeah. thing. And I think, I mean, as much as I, I absolutely love the Celebrate You wave, the, you know, the, the cause of, of body positivity, the fact that it's about mental health and about 
yeah mental well-being I think is is brilliant isn't it and I think that's yeah what you've been talking about with your running yeah I think people forget like I I did this thing the other day about what I just put it out on my Instagram about why I run um and I think I said I run for I run because there there have been so many days where I haven't been able to and I run because there are so many people I know who would love to run and they can't um, and genuinely they can't because they're in hospital or they are dying or like I, I say that really dismissively but it, it's tragic and it's awful and I know that there's loads of people who are not here who would love to run um, and they did love to run um, and I think um, we forget that like actually when I put it out and then I had loads of people sharing why they ran and none of it was because they want to look good like not one it was all for like to to remind ourselves of why we can do it it was all mental it was all for our mental well-being it was to remind ourselves how strong we are how far we can we we've come um just to keep ourselves ticking as a coping mechanism to recognize that we might not be in a good place, but running helps us get through the day, whatever it might be. And um, it was really nice. Not one person said I run because I want to have a fit bum. Um, and I think that's really good because I, I don't like, and I, I never have done. Um, and it is for me. Um, and I've said this so many times I run for my head like and I think a lot of people say that but yeah I run for my head yeah I love that I think it's um one thing that I do like to ask people when I'm doing these interviews is to say you know to ask this really kind of silly question like what does running mean to you but whenever I've asked it both me and the person that's answered us have ended up feeling a bit sort of tearful because yeah because the first part of the answer is always to do with the head it was always to do with how you feel about yourself it's not to do with like you said it's nothing to do with you know getting yourself in shape or, or anything like that yeah. it's to do with the reset button yeah for me it's like so I very rarely feel free from my cancer um I never in fact and the one thing I want to do in life is feel free which sounds really kind of cheesy to say that but I I'm trapped I'm trapped by my cancer my cancer as much as I say um oh, cancer's not going to define me. The reality is that there's practicalities around it. Like I spend most weeks in the hospital. Um, I can't just go away for a month. I can't just go and, you know, escape around the world. Like I have to look after my health. And if I don't, I won't be here. And um, so I have this dark cloud over me. So I really want it to go away, but it's never going to go away. So running basically is the only time that I can feel free to a point. Um, and it, that's what it provides me with. It's kind of like somebody said, well, what is that moment that you can feel free? And I said, it's like literally when the sun's shining um, and you're going along. For me, it's like the footpath. Um, that's when I feel free. Albeit in a fake, you know, I say fake, it's not fake. It's beautiful and very real. It's not total freedom but it's as good as it's going to get for me really and then, and I mean along with all the other things that you do right now I mean I know that you're you're not currently teaching um but you are still a writer um yeah. and you have your column and you've also written a book more than one book I'm writing my second one at the moment so yeah it's kind of out um it's out in 
January, end of January, beginning of February. So it's, yeah, um, it will be announced in a couple of weeks. So, um, but I can tell you, it's basically called um, How to Live When You Could Be Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Do you you enjoy writing? Yeah, I do. Like, I'm finding this one harder. Um, My first book was about cancer specifically. So it was kind of like much more straightforward. It was like, classic cancer story it wasn't my story but it was like top tips um and it was very it was very really straightforward to write this one is different really different so in education I studied mindset for years um and it was what I did um I led big research projects on it um and it's now what is implemented in schools as resilience as um as growth mindset training like all these different things uh and so the book is based on mindset um, and I'm really good friends with um, Matthew Said, who is um, lives again around the corner from me. Um, and I was doing a IGTV with him um, about his current kids book. And, you know, I talked to him a lot about mindset. And when I was in education, um, obviously I used a lot of his stuff Um and yeah, this book is almost like my take on what I learned from studying it, applying it in education and now in real life. <laughs> say real life. Yeah, adult life uh, with cancer, but it's not cancer specific. Um, I think that's why it's harder to write because um, it is going back to my roots. Um, so it's taking me... Um, yeah, I'm kind of hitting my head against the brick wall at the moment. Not because I don't know it, it's because, yeah, any writing any book is challenging. And applying yourself with two kids in lockdown, in quarantine, um, is even harder than you think. <laughs> <laughs> how, how has lockdown been for you? Um, there's been positives and negatives. Uh, positives is, is just nice to spend time with my family. The negatives is too much time with your family. You want to all run away from each other. Um, but we are, we have actually got on really well. Um, we've enjoyed it. My kids will be back at school on Monday and I'll probably miss them at some point. Um, but yeah, it has been quite nice to slow down, to have an enforced slow down because I run at 100 miles an hour. So I think it's kind of nice to, um, you know, stop for a bit. Um and but I appreciate that that has come from with a platform with a security of like being able to work from home and being able to um you know feel safe in my job or whatever it is I've actually well I said safe feel safe in my job I, I did have to like everybody did uh rethink a lot of things I was you know before lockdown um I was doing loads of face-to-face stuff um that was one of my main streams of income in terms of speaking and events. And obviously that all went overnight. So I think everyone kind of has to look for different, uh, different ways, but you adapt, don't you? You just, you just adapt because you have to. So, um, but it hasn't been straightforward, um, but it's, I've enjoyed it. So what's next for you? Um, I've really got to write a book. <laughs> I've really got to Another write a book. One. <laughs> no, 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 I've got to finish writing. Well, I've got to yeah, finish writing this one because 
um i actually just okay the the meeting i just came off of with was with my publisher who was like should we push the should we push the date back and i went no 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 press release is going out we're doing this we're doing this she's like deborah i do need to see your chapters i was like yeah i'm on it just trust me uh so that is my biggest that was my biggest challenge at the moment is just writing this and it's a project that um you know i i want to do because i feel really proud i know at the end i will feel really proud when i've written it um so yeah that's my challenge right now and then um and then who knows like i'm back to i'm back podcasting um in a couple of weeks um and then yeah i just don't know i just don't know like anything can happen i think in this world right so let it happen (laughs) (laughs) um you said that you don't want cancer to define you so what does define you? Probably my drive for life instead. Um, so just recognising that um, I think because I do live in a quite a dark world, um, I, I then know the fragility of what life is. I'm not saying others don't. I think so many of us do. Um, and I think it's kind of recognising the importance of that. So you live, um, you live knowing how easily it can be taken away from you. So I think it, that that allows you to live more freely and more kind of close to the wind. Um, and it allows you just to say yes to things um, because you kind of know that there might not be tomorrow. So you don't overthink it. Um, but I think it takes away your future. So I think that's that's the the, the negativity is that you, you no longer have those dreams for the future because it's a future that you don't know whether you have. Um, and I think there's a lot of sadness with that. So you have to find happiness in the present, which funny enough, most people who live in the future, and I was one of them, pre-cancer, all you want to do is strive to learn how to live in the present. So I would say I'm an expert at being very present and uh, living in the moment because um, that's all I have. So it is kind of like, um, you know, swings and roundabouts. And you're, you're, so you're, you're back to doing your podcast. Is this the You, Me and the Big C? Is, is yeah, back to You, Me and the Big C, which is, a you know, it does take up, even though it's only out once a week, like that does take up um, quite a lot of time. And then um, back to writing. And then I don't really know, like I, I just did a, a panorama, which was really interesting. Well, it's sad, actually really sad, um, all about the cancer crisis. Um but I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and I don't necessarily have more projects apart, well, apart from this book, um, which will probably come with another podcast. Uh, well, it, we are, we're going to be doing another podcast, uh, maybe some live events around that, but obviously, um, it's all unconfirmed at the moment because of COVID. So it's really difficult because at first we were like, yeah, we're doing this, 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 but we can't suddenly go, yeah, these are the days, this is this because, Mm. well, we might be in another pandemic. So we just don't know. And I know last year, any author um, had pretty much every live book event whipped out overnight. So yeah we have to i think we need i think we need a plan a and and plan b so um so yeah we'll see what happens and you um so with your podcast you must have spoken to some really inspiring people were there any that particularly stood out for you um yeah sadly loads of people who aren't here with us um anymore um oh good question um 
do you know there was this girl she's she is she isn't with us anymore called Tierney she was 19 um and I just like I I never cry on a podcast ever and um she cracked me she absolutely cracked me I just said do you have hope she said of course I have hope um she died three weeks later and I just like I just and I knew how serious she she knew how serious her situation was but I, I knew as well. And um, I just was amazed by her strength to just stand there, you know, in the face of it and just say, of course I have hope. Um, and um, yeah, she died three weeks later. And I just literally was like blown away by her. Um, and yeah, just like loads of people. I remember, I remember like, I remember speaking to Andrew Strauss, who I find really amazing. He set up a brilliant um kind of uh he lost his wife to cancer um and he came on our podcast when I now retrospectively look back and it must be really raw it was only like four months after uh, Ruth his wife died but I was in a really bad place because I'd just been told that my cancer had progressed and this was like years ago and um I had him in the room who just lost his wife like four months Steve who is Rachel's um um husband um who also had obviously lost Rachel and I'm there in floods of tears basically saying this is not fair this is not fair this cannot happen like and my cancer like absolutely having a mental breakdown and I've got Andrew and Steve both looking at me going it's going to be okay Deborah it's going to be okay and then they were they were just absolutely brilliant I can't describe it they were just like really kind of like like it was just this moment of real kind of like we get this it's totally shit but we're all in this together and what I found amazing is how strong Andrew was basically trying to look after me even though he just lost his wife and I was just and I had like you know metastatic cancer so he's probably just like I found that amazing and anyway then he promised that we would all go to the cricket a year later um, and we did we were all there like on Ruth on the Ruth um Strath um kind of they have like a day where everybody goes red for Ruth um and so we were there we couldn't be there this year because of Covid I hate Covid um but that was really nice um yeah so but we've had loads of great guests actually. Do you find it quite therapeutic? I find it's helpful to know that we're helping others. Um, yeah, um, I find it's a really, I find it's something that gives me a lot of purpose to do. Um, I find that we meet amazing people and we get to do brilliant things that I feel really passionate about. So um, whether that's uh, champion re- championing research, whether that's championing um, like small charities, um, people who just want to share their story, I think um, having a platform to do that is um, amazing. So, yeah, it's, I do really enjoy them. And um, can I finish up by going a bit frothy and talking yeah. about fashion? Because you and your <laughs> clothes, my God, I love it. I love it on I Instagram. love clothes. I love clothes. I, uh, I always love clothes, though. I think a lot of people say, oh, have you changed since you got cancer? I'm like, no, like a lot of my friends will just tell you no. Um, I was like clothes and fashion and feeling nice about yourself. Um, and I think cancer almost makes you want to do that even more because you feel horrible about yourself inside sometimes. Like 
like just because you're going through tough treatment so actually like putting on some lipstick and some clothes it like it's almost uh, Rachel used to say it's a reverse Dalai Lama and I totally agree with that you kind of you know sometimes you can fake it and actually um it helps you feel it (laughs) so yeah I like that yeah, you've basically answered the question I wanted to ask, <laughs> which is kind of why, but I know why. I know about mm-hmm. clothes. We all know about clothes and we know about yeah. fashion and makeup and hair and how that can make us feel better in all sorts of ways. Yeah. It's really very important for you. Yeah, I think it's underestimated as well. I think a lot of people will dismiss it as kind of frivolous, um, kind of unimportant, um, materialistic, like whatever. Um, and that's fine but I also think that there is you know I am really interested in like beautiful clothes and the history behind them and the kind of history behind fashion houses and why people design things and um, kind of the passion that goes into it and and actually it, it, it is art in itself like you know yes a lot of it is frivolous and fun and but it's also not, and it's it kind of it can make you feel really nice um, when you're feeling rubbish. And for certain people, not for everyone, um, but for certain people, it does. And and I get like there's an argument to say, especially in this world where we don't need like 200 million dresses, and we don't. Um, but you know, if if it makes you feel good to have a nice dress or to buy yourself a nice a nice lipstick, then it's kind of I think it's another tool um, that shouldn't be dismissed either, um, or laughed at or underestimated. So like, don't feel bad for doing it if it's if it makes you feel positive about yourself. Do you self care? Do you feel the same about running gear? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm addicted to running gear. Like like you know I kind of do stuff with sweaty sweaty and I I literally I don't need any more leggings like genuinely I'm not I'm very lucky to be gifted leggings but then I go out and buy so many other pairs of leggings and I'm sitting there with them in my basket going Deborah you've just been sent three pairs of leggings why do you need another two like I've just been I've just been buying sports bras this morning I don't need another sports bra but I'm like oh it's really nice one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't even know why I think I think like I used to live in sports gear anyway like sports gear I'm I'm quite I'm one extreme or the other actually I'm a sports gear to like a glittery dress kind of girl um so I'm I'm one or, I'm one or the other all the way um and yeah it, and this is before cancer anyway so I'm sports gear or high heels and uh I the drawers of sports gear that I have and the, the worst thing is, is that I do need to just like give some away. And I'm like, oh, I love that pair. Oh, I love that pair. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed episode nine of the Women's Running Podcast with Deborah James. If you'd like to take on the virtual Vitality 10K with us, go to vitalitylondon10,000.co.uk to sign up to run for your head and your heart. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The sound recorder and composer was David Newman. I hope you enjoyed it. Do please get in touch with anyone you'd like me to chat to and do hit subscribe so that you get your fortnightly dose of women's running chat as soon as I release it into the wild. If you want to be more mindful with your running or you want to improve your overall well-being, our sister title, Planet Mindful, 
is running a brilliant trial offer of three issues for £5 when you subscribe. Planet Mindful features everything from health and nutrition to self-care and sustainable living. In a year when our lives have been turned upside down, it's a great way to find a little inner calm during a busy week. Visit anthem.co.uk forward slash run 2020 and enter the code run 2020. That's run 2020. The offer is only available to UK residents and ends on the 30th of September. At Women's Running, we want to inspire you to run, whether you've never run before or you're training for your fifth ultramarathon. We think that women who run need a space for themselves and we want to be that. Every month, we talk all things running and all things women, from training plans for specific distances to interviews with incredible runners, ideas on how to improve your running and remain injury-free, to delicious recipes to fuel your running and tons of advice on women's health. The easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop.womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door or to your inbox every month by subscribing. You can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet through your app store. For all the different ways to read the magazine, go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk. Do join us. We would love to have you with us. Happy running. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.